We now return to your regularly scheduled programming. This is Corian. This is the Yoda Anthem Podcast. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Rob. Welcome to episode 397 of the Yoda Anthem Podcast, coming to you from all over LA. But Corey is, of course, gentrifying LA one neighborhood at a time from the Yoda Anthem Studios. <laughs> one additional person at a time. This is Corey. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> taking over. Uh, you can find us on all the places where you find podcasts. The best way to find that place is anchor.fm forward slash Yoda Anthem. Uh, because it has direct links to all the podcasters that you may use to listen to us. Including last week's, which yeah. was a very special episode. Yeah, very popular episode, too. Mm. Uh, yeah, if there's one thing I've learned, you having a kid is going to do wonders for my social media. <laughs> Generally, I get like 10 people interacting with a post, and I got like 75 in the first day. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, children bring spark joy. Uh, your usual... Uh, uh, wouldn't it be great if capitalism was gone tomorrow? Doesn't usually yes. spark joy in people. I mean, certain people, I guess, but not not, not people who are not the thousands of women who are replying to my uh, <laughs> my post. But yeah, a anyway, bunch of um, a bunch of people saw that you posted on social media for the first time in a while. <laughs> also, yeah, I realized that I post a lot of stories, but like nothing really worthwhile in my life to post something permanent. So I don't really post that much, uh, just the stories. But the stories, I get like 100 people. Uh, and then I post a picture and nobody's used to it. Uh, the algorithm fails me. They're like, oh, well, you you don't kill you. You don't like his post because you haven't uh, liked something in a while. So we're going to bury it. The story, though, they go, like, oh, this dude posts a lot of stories. You're definitely going to want to see this. So, um, but. As I, I put in our notes here, one week down, 938 to go. Yeah. Until until you're not legally responsible. As my father said, I'm no longer <laughs> legally responsible for keeping you alive. You get the first 18 years. That's all you get. Rent's due on Saturday. I'm going to pull a Denzel on her when she turns 18. November. Ain't a- no way. <laughs> Ain't no way that's going to happen. Listen, you got the first week free of November, uh, prorated for the rest, and... Uh... I expect to be full. Fair, she's got a late birthday, so she will actually be in college when she turns 18, which is even worse. You're gonna 17 year old daughter is gonna be walking around a campus full of is men. Is it? Like I thought me. it was, I thought it was, uh, I thought it was the other way. I thought she waited. I thought she yeah. was gonna be like uh, turning 18 her senior year of high school, but like no. early on her senior year of high school. No, uh, in, in Caroline County, at least, it's August. Anything after August, you go the same year together. Hmm. So, I had an early birthday and I was 18 and a senior in high school. But I was in there with people who were 17. Hmm. Interesting. And then Megan I'll, was 16. I'll, I'll have to look into that. I, I honestly don't know how it works yet. I haven't, I haven't gotten that well, far. She isn't I due would, uh, for school for a little while. So I figured yeah. I had some I was time say, to I, I, You probably have it. some time. Uh, I mean, I know uh, Maxon also has a November birthday, so it's going to be an issue. But the bigger issue will be that he's like 12 and at Harvard. So it, it's, you know, it's on a balance. It's different. I mean, uh, we, we might as well uh, get the new uh, Doogie Hauser going now. Like, uh, well, there's already a new Doogie going Hauser in... show. Is Just there a new know. Doogie Hauser show? There is. Yeah. God, it's not really... Doogie Hauser. It's Doogie something, but it's a uh, female and she is a uh, an Indian or a Pakistani American. This fucking town will do literally anything to avoid an original idea, <laughs> like anything they have to sell to anybody. You know what I think is so amazing? is like whenever you talk to uh, somebody who doesn't live in L.A. about like some idea that you have for a script or something like that, Yeah. Uh, 
and you know they'll they'll give you like the like oh my god i'd love that movie uh, yeah. I, I wish hollywood would make something i would go see that this weekend <laughs> and then meanwhile you describe it to somebody who's like you know in a power of authority here in la about your your idea and they're just sort of like yeah well it'd be really hard to tell anybody yeah. about this like you know like I don't people, see the toy line. Where's the toys? Is people know what a movie? Fast and the Furious movie is without us having to tell them. That's uh, that's basically what we're looking for. We want to spend so much money telling them. We want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars worth of advertising to tell them that they have they're going to get the thing that they think they're going to get. But this time in space, just so it's clear. <laughs> this time, space. But uh, yeah, so one week down. Uh, for those of you who, who weren't following on social media. Um, I have taken one trip uh, in the last seven months, um, four of which Corey knew he was he was uh, having a baby. Um, but that weekend is the one where, you know, we've been talking about for weeks, like, all right, so if she goes into labor, you have a key, you can come check on, on Brooks and like take care. And then like any weekend, literally except for Saturday midnight until the next sun that Monday, that Sunday at midnight. And Rachel went into labor at 3 a.m. Yeah. while I was on a plane. <laughs> On the way to Maryland, so yeah, uh, perfect timing. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And, what, and what's fascinating, uh, just to I, I don't want to you know give a play by play of all the details that had had happened that day, but please do. Uh, Did she poop on the table? That's what everybody <laughs> wants to know. No, um, two. Uh, That's a well practiced we, answer. Good job. <laughs> uh, we had just gone for like a regular OBGYN appointment uh, that morning, and like her blood pressure wait, wait, was no, like no, no, no. Friday morning. Two well, yeah, days Friday, Friday. Yeah, Friday morning. Uh, one morning we were going to just go to a routine appointment, right? Yep. And at some point when they tested Rachel's blood pressure, it was a little bit elevated. Not like, you know, in a concerning way, but just slightly higher than it should be. Yeah. So they were just like, oh, you might as well go over to Cedars across the street and just have them double check it and make sure that everything's okay. That's where you fucked up. That's where you fucked up. <laughs> and then we go there. And they check it, and they say, uh, uh, yeah, blood pressure was fine. They must have had a misreading over at the doctor's office, but you're here already, so we might as well induce. So it was like one of those moments where it's like, uh, <laughs> like uh, I'm sure somebody has said it to themselves at some point before. It's just like, well, I'm just going out to McDonald's. I don't need my health insurance card with me. Like, yep. what, Hit by a what's, bus. <laughs> what's the likelihood something's going to happen to me when I just go down the street to go to McDonald's? And then all of a sudden... You're in the hospital. There's no way of identifying you. You know, like nobody gets word until your dental records are processed weeks later. And like, like wait, wait. Uh, according to his record here, his uh, emergency contact is another grown man who also lives in the city. <laughs> that, that can't be right. This is not up to date. Uh, um, so, yeah, uh, that, that's me, not Corey. Me. Corey is my emergency contact. He's the only person I know who knows my phone number and my parents phone number here. <laughs> It's like jail or hospital. Corey's getting a call. It doesn't matter. I hope I pick up. <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, the last time I was in jail, you did pick up, so that was nice. It was good. Um, I think. Uh, I I think what's so fascinating though about it was like they started inducing her, and then they were just like, "All right, well, you're in for the long haul now." Uh, and I was like looking at Rachel. I was like, "Do I run home? Do I like get the stuff? Like, what what do I do? Like, because we didn't bring anything with we us. We don't have the bag. We don't we, have the baby bag. We don't have the baby bag. We don't have the stroller. They're not gonna let us out of here." Uh, <laughs> uh, and she's like, "Yeah, you know, go home. This is gonna take a long time." 
So, you know, like, get something to eat, like, you know, get things in order. Like, don't rush right back because we're just going to be sitting around the hospital. Which I think is, like, an A-plus move by Rachel to understand <laughs> that I'd rather yes. not be sitting around the hospital. Now, the uh, F-minus move by Corey is that he took that as a legitimate thing that she was saying and not just let me tell Showed up you 20 this minutes thing. before the birth. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, uh, I went home, uh, and, like, I, I, at this point it was, like, 5 o'clock, and I hadn't eaten all day. So I picked up some sushi on the way home and I was like, you know, like Rachel, clear. your girlfriend's in the hospital. Having Rachel's in the hospital induced yeah. like, yeah. you know, the, the wheels are turning. We're not anywhere close to uh, the climax, but uh, the wheels are turning and I'm just like sitting there like watching the good wife eating sushi saying to myself, like, should I really be here right now? <laughs> should I be hustling a bit more? Like, Am I wrong? <laughs> am I wrong? I'm just, I'm picturing you having a conversation with Brooks and this, like, you actually have the chopsticks and you're eating a sushi and just like, I'll tell you what, buddy, this is the life. Nothing's ever going to change about this. Wait, was I supposed to be doing something today? I feel like I had something planned for today. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you there was something wrong with, with your interpretation of that story. The restaurant okay. forget to get, forgot to give me chopsticks and I had none here at the house and I ate sushi oh. with a fork like a goddamn heathen. Oh <laughs> so my God. I can't. It completely ruined my sushi, bro. <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to relax well, a little bit over some sushi before before childbirth and uh, luckily Rachel who would have been eating and I had to eat it like a fork. <laughs> yeah. she, she had some grapes and a piece of bread, but uh, uh, everything went great. Uh, eventually, Rachel gave birth. I made it in I time. That a uh, that's a deconstructed charcuterie board. <laughs> grapes and a piece of bread. Where's the cheese? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up! You're in the hospital now. Hey, what do you expect? Come on. <laughs> uh, but no. I, I, Wait, where's your where's your husband? I don't have a husband. Where's the guy? Uh, he's eating sushi on my couch <laughs> with our dog. Okay, two things. Number one, the number of forms you go through when you are not a husband <laughs> to the person who yep. just gave birth is incredible. Yep. yep. Just like, are you sure you know this person? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I picked her up. This is the, the thing for me to say. I picked her up and dropped her off, right? So, for all no, no, guys Uber home, driver, Uber. For all those guys at home, here is the key. The key is don't marry her before the birth and then just roll out. And they want you to sign some shit. You're like, I don't know nothing about none of this. I dropped her off. That's all. <laughs> that baby don't look like me, except it do look like me. So <laughs> That baby looks a lot like you. Um, The other... Uh, the other thing I would, I, in all honesty, we were joking here, but uh, I, I want to thank the Wait, no, incredible... whoa, 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 whoa. Before you start thanking people, we're not joking about the fact that you got sushi and ate it at your house. Oh, no, I totally did that. No, yeah. and I, yeah, and I watched The Good Wife and I packed bags so, and then. All of those women who are just like, why don't you be more like Corey? Just know <laughs> I have been present for the birth of several children that are not related to me genetically. I have sat in a waiting room and then in a maternity room holding hands of women who were not my spouse nor my girlfriend and babies were not mine and Corey went home and ate sushi so go ahead and tell me tell me how listen, i should be more like Corey. listen i made up for it once once i got back i was finally I doing was the there. baby book that you had 8 months ago i was engaged yeah. i was oh, yeah. please i didn't know 8 months beforehand yeah. <laughs> uh you had 30 weeks to do the baby book <laughs> The the uh in all all seriousness though uh uh the the entire team at Cedar Sinai was incredible uh the nurses were incredible 
uh, I think that it was a uh, ideal place to give birth if you have the availability to. Um, I would say this though, even at a really nice hospital that has like really nice accoutrements and uh, you know, like they have a cafeteria that actually does know how to cook and stuff like that. Um, I will still say this. I think me being in a hospital is like a, I can only do it for a certain amount of time and then I'm just going to leave kind of situation. Cause like, you know, like the second night in a row of me sleeping in a chair, I'm just like, what do we have to do to get this baby out of here? Like, when, <laughs> like I, I worry about the day where I'm going to like be in the hospital with like brain damage and we're going on day three and I'm just like, I got to go. To leave. Yeah, it's ideal that it's like, you're thinking about you're brain strapped, damage, not You're COPD. strapped to a machine right now. And it's like, no, I'm going. I got to go. It's been three days. I can't stay here it, anymore. You won't breathe without <laughs> this machine that you're tied to. I, I have to, to go. go. Can I? I don't think you understand. I have to go to Vegas. <laughs> it's been it's been too long since I've been to Vegas, so I must leave the hospital and go to Vegas. And they're just like, I'll you just take will this dialysis. die. <laughs> I'll take the dialysis with me. Thank you. Uh, but no, uh, thank you to everyone at, at Cedars because they did incredible work. So thank you. And if you followed on social media, uh, and my one picture or Rachel's 9,000 pictures, uh, <laughs> Casey does look a lot like Corey. She's adorable. That part she doesn't have in common, but everything else, the features. It, it's like um, I can just take everything to make a cake and it's going to come out a train wreck. You give somebody who knows what they're doing all the things and they make a beautiful cake. Corey, Casey, very similar features. <laughs> Adorable train wreck. Casey is That's, a beautiful cake. That is, yes, that the is beautiful the, cake, this. not the train wreck. <laughs> that is the, the message of the story. Beautiful also, cake, Casey Baker. I forget how tiny babies are when they first come out. Like You see babies on movies, and it's like, oh, I just gave birth, and the thing's like 45 inches long and you know 25 pounds. And then you get the real one. And you're like, oh, oh, this is a very small thing. Okay. So that that is a, that is a very interesting point because one of the things I kept thinking about was like, uh, so many people had warned me over the years that like when the baby first comes out, like like fresh first 15 minutes out the oven kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, to continue the cake metaphor, uh, they look like little aliens who yeah. will like terrify you. And it takes a takes a day or so before they start like turning into like babies. Like they look yeah. like babies. Uh, uh, Casey had a had a, a little uh, a little shock at the beginning. So like when I first saw her, like they hurried her across the room. She was like white as a sheet with um, a with a cone head. Yeah, with a with a cone head. And I was yeah. like, uh, alien. alien. I was worried that you know I had a little alien baby. Um, but then, you know, it took a couple minutes. I'm sure to me it felt like it took like a half hour. Uh, but eventually I could go over and see Casey laying there. And she was just like, it's like in Hollywood when you see some, <laughs> like a baby being born in a movie. Like, and then like they hand the baby to the mother for the first time. And it's like a four week old infant that's yeah. like already yeah. already developed. Like, that's sort of what Casey felt like. It was just sort of like. They had a Hollywood baby there, like ready to go for like after they like they absconded over to the to the uh table with the with the pale white baby and then all of a sudden like 
gave it a couple minutes, and then all of a sudden it was like a perfect Hollywood baby, ready to go. To be fair, this is uh, this is my ideal situation. You have a kid, you're only responsible for him eight hours max a day. <laughs> After that, they got to go. You only have them here for eight hours. I could do that. I could do that part of parenting. <laughs> I don't know. I've been here pretty much the whole time. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. So, I I want to wager a bet just so everybody knows. I mean, I will work next month, so I mean, I will have to leave the baby for a while. But like, who has changed more diapers for this particular child, Corey or myself? What would you? Where would you place your bets, folks? Just think about it. Okay, Corey, how many diapers have you changed? I mean, I don't have a specific count, but a lot. Okay, well, good for you. I changed one. Uh, I just assumed uh, that basically uh, Rachel was handling everything. No, no, no. I, I've I've changed. A good wife and eating sushi. <laughs> I've changed, I don't know, like 25 diapers or something like that. 25 down, 4,000 to go. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing good on the diapers. I I I feel like I'm a a reasonable uh a reasonable husband in that sense where I'm like taking care of all the all the diapers, you know? Like I I'm I'm husband, taking that huh? on the plate. Well, you know. Oh, a husband? Is that what's going on here? <laughs> That's what we like huh? to call a Freudian slip. You don't get to claim that title. State of California would like to have a conversation with you about that. (laughs) You can't uh, say that without writing us a goddamn check. Everyone should uh, check out last week's episode where Corey had a very tearful um, or or an emotional, not tearful, emotional uh, message for his daughter. Uh, But in the meantime, let's move on from some things that are full of shit to more things are full of shit. Uh, In (laughs) In different ways. The court. Just general. I, 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 there are three examples we have, but I think it is just a sign of the systematic problem that is going on. So currently, right now, there are three trials going on in three different places, and they're all going very different ways. In Georgia, we have the Ahmad Arbery trial, which I'm not going to speak the names of the, the assholes who are probably about to get off for killing him. So for him, it's the trial of his murder. Uh, and then in Wisconsin, Kenosha, Wisconsin, we have Kyle Rittenhouse's trial. And then little, little known to me, but found out this week, there is a civil trial going, going on in Charlottesville, Virginia, over the Unite the Right rally. And I don't know which one of these is worse slash better, but let's start with Ahmad Arbery. Okay, yeah. Uh, I know that uh, <laughs> I, I don't need to know a whole lot about the trial Without knowing that a appearance by Reverend Al Sharpton created quite the stir, uh, yeah. and no, and and that's pretty much telling me everything I need to know about the venue in which this this uh, trial is taking place. Um, you know, <laughs> there's what one of the things I think is really interesting when there's like a big trial in the the court of uh, uh, media scrutiny, which is a uh, you know, a lot of people don't talk about the things that really relate to how this trial is going to go, like jury selection. Mm-hmm. You know, it's sort of covered as like we're in the week of jury selection, but not necessarily like what type of thing, like what type of jurors are getting in, what type of jurors are, are staying out, like how that might impact like if, the case. You, you strike every person of color except for one from the jury pool. That, <laughs> right. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh you know, another thing that never gets talked about during uh, coverage on TV is uh, uh, preemptory motions or like sometimes it'll get talked about a little bit. Like uh, there was a uh, uh, thing with the Kyle Rittenhouse trial uh, when they were doing 
uh, motions before where they were saying uh, uh, they couldn't re- uh, refer to any of the victims as victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had to be rioters or no? Okay, so some, I can't me, remember. Let me what just the, correct you. No, no, no. You were right about that. So yeah. it was two different motions, and people keep conflating the two of them. But victimhood in a court has a legal definition. So when he is found guilty, they will then be his victims. Up until then, they are not victims because he's but, innocent until proven guilty. Right. Uh, and even if he admits guilt, if he is has a reason, a self defense, let's say then they're not his victims um, because, again, victimhood has a legal definition. Now, a separate motion was for them to be able to call the people rioters and looters, and that also was granted. So don't call them victims. Do be able to call them this thing. They could also call them by their first names. They can call them you know, Antifa, anything that they want, but there was specific motions about not calling them rioters and looters which was, I guess, not upheld. Uh, he, they are allowed to use the term rioters and looters. Yeah. But then there was another motion about not calling them victims, which is also legally true. So, yeah. And it's, it, it, well, in that one specifically, I think that uh, there was a lot of people on Twitter who just don't understand. <laughs> and I think specifically in Wisconsin, if I remember correctly, there was a trial uh, or an appeal that had been overturned at one point based off of that very specific scenario. Where they uh, called the victims, called them victims, and yes. then it was able to be turned over in appeal because of that specific motion or that it specific. Gives, it gives the jury the impression of guilt before guilt, uh, because when you think victim, you think someone they were victimized by someone, not that they are. Truly, the word victim here would be used legally speaking as a they are a person who lost their life due to tragic circumstances. Yeah. But inevitably, the jury's going to say victim equals you did something, even if uh, that's not the case, legally speaking. Yeah. We all know he killed them people. Straight up. <laughs> yeah. Just straight up I murdered mean, he, them. He killed them. I mean, there, there's no there's no denying that part. I mean, like... Yeah, a homicide occurred. The killing of a human being. But again, homicide has a legal definition. And are, are we there yet? No. Will we be there? Likely not, based on the judge. Um but before we get to Kyle Rittenhouse, yeah, Ahmad sorry. Arbery, there is uh, two friends and then the son of one of the guys who are all on trial for essentially lynching, modern-day lynching of a man who was running through a neighborhood uh, but vaguely matched the description of a guy who had carried out some break-ins. So they chased him down in a truck and shot him. Um, shot him at such close range that the fingerprints couldn't be taken from the murder weapon because it was considered a biohazard because it was covered in his blood. Um, we are not going to be allowed to talk about the fact that, uh, the guy who chased him in the truck has a Confederate flag on his license plate because, huh, the Confederate flag used to be the official flag of Georgia, the state, not during the Confederacy, like recently. Uh, and it was a commemorative license plate. It was about people who had served in the Confederate or the, uh, the Georgia national guard or something like that. And, Mm. um, so they, it had the Confederate flag on it. But we all know why he had the Confederate flag on it. Um, nonetheless, I mean, uh, all that stuff's coming in. And then there's I mean, also a legal concept. I, I would also, <laughs> I would, if I was the lawyer arguing as to whether or not that should be allowed, uh, I would say uh, humbly to people who are listening, uh, if you went to the DMV and they gave you your license plate and it had a Confederate flag on it, yeah, would you, would you a Say, ah, oh, well, this is merely part of our history, and I, uh, I'll take it because, 
you know, that's that's the plate they gave me. That's that's my only lot in life. Or would you go up to the front and say, hey, do we have another plate? <laughs> do we have a plate that doesn't have the Confederate flag? All I'm saying is I'm going to be driving around town. I'm going to feel pretty stupid because I don't believe in any of this. So perhaps uh, there's a plate that you have somewhere in the back that just has a peach and Georgia on it. And that's good. Can we do that one and instead? Funny thing. A <laughs> brand new truck got regular license plates for it before he ordered the vanity plate. Yeah, exactly. So that was a decision <laughs> that he actively made. Uh, I mean, listen, I went through the same decision when I went to get my Maryland tags and they said, oh, well, you can upgrade to the new ones or you can have the old ones. But the new ones had a flag of, you know, Confederate battle flag on it, as well as, uh, you know, a, a, a union battle flag. And I said, I think this will be confusing for people. Uh, I would never want to, you know, get this tattooed on my body or wear <laughs> this flag everywhere. Um, and of course, I'm just talking about the the flag of the state of Maryland, uh, yeah. which is that uh, half of that flag is the Confederate battle flag. People don't talk about that, though. So it's OK. Um, nonetheless, that won't come in as evidence. Um, also, one of the questions that people are asked is, do you have you heard media about the case? Now, that having heard about the case before is not supposed to make you available for preemptory strike, because the next question is, can you put aside what you've heard? and base all of your decision on the case as it's presented in front of you. And as long as you can answer yes to that, you should be able to uh, continue with the case. However, the judge allowed preemptory strikes of every person of color in the jury pool because they had heard about the case. Um, because there were white people who had said they hadn't heard about the case because they're liars. Yeah, I mean, I, I find it hard to believe that you hadn't... Uh... Cause you know, it's one of those, like, uh, have you, uh, have you ever been in the same place at the same time as Brad Pitt? And then you're like, no, I haven't. I would remember that. And it's just like, well, it just so happens one day you were at the Grove at the same time Brad Pitt was at the Grove. And it's just like, well, I didn't okay, know that. Yeah. I wasn't aware. <laughs> like yeah. I didn't see him. I couldn't speak affirmatively to it. Oh, but now you're committing perjury on our stand. Like, no, like, you know, yeah. I feel like it's hard to believe that no, that you didn't like uh during oj like everyone had heard about it like there wasn't yeah. a way you could get onto the you know they, there weren't 12 people in los angeles county who hadn't heard of it you know like and if there was i would seriously question how much they know about anything if they <laughs> if they haven't yeah even... do you want them judging a case <laughs> like and apparently no uh, i don't know uh, anything about it i live under a bridge some, some i'm a real radio. troll some AM radio jockeys in the Atlanta area, which Cobb County is a suburb of Atlanta. That's yeah. what was happening. Um, had been saying, remember these words. I have heard about the case, but I am able to make my independent judgment. Or I have not heard about the case. So AM radio, which is statistically 100% white. I'm just going to say it's 100%, statistically 100% white. Um, we're telling people... Just say you hadn't heard about it, or if you had heard about it, you can set it aside because you hadn't heard much. Um, and they did. That would be my only guess is they did. That's that's all I can say. I mean, I don't I don't know uh, what will depending on what kind of charges they can they can prove. None, uh, absolutely none. That's that's the that's the. I I also have so little faith in a lot of DAs offices around the country, like. Some random Cobb County DA's office isn't necessarily equipped to handle a case of yeah. this kind of sensitivity. Uh, you know, you would argue, you could even argue that like an LA district attorney couldn't even handle something like this in a in a realistic 
fashion, something that would make you uh, happy wait, wait, with, L- the, with the with the L- LA County, commitment. LA County, or like Orange County, the LA area. Oh, I mean, like just the, I mean, like even the even the the most populous courts in the land, like the ones mm-hmm. that handle the most traffic, I still think have trouble handling things that sort of break through public consciousness in a different way. Like, well, to be fair, though, if, if you're it's L.A. And if county you're, and not Orange County, then there's way less racist. I mean, Orange County. Fuck oh, about yeah. It. A lot Lots of racist. Yeah, but I mean, in L.A. County, I think you get a nice jury pool of non-racist people. So I mean, you could go up to Simi Valley or something like that. You could get a whole ton of them. No, I said non-racist, non-racist. Oh, well, I thought you were talking about I was going to say we could just go up and get a bunch of cops in Simi Valley <laughs> and oh. we'll be fine. Absolutely uh, not. Uh, <laughs> independent thinkers, those cops. Yes, uh, of course. <laughs> But uh, so an- another, we mentioned it a bit before, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, who is the Kenosha shooter, um, which can we can say legally, he was the shooter in Kenosha, mm-hmm. um, is on trial as well. And it's a funny thing. Um, I want to think about a time when there were two nationally televised criminal cases where black men were the defendant. And I can't think of any. Um and not even in 94, because as we all know, OJ is not black. OJ is OJ. Um, so, and I don't think it's ever happened before, which is interesting because we get to see two jurisdictions, Wisconsin and Georgia, both highly racist um, and how they're handling the case. And funny thing, these defendants are getting the kind of treatment I didn't see in four plus years of criminal defense against people. So weird. Very, very strange. Uh, but Kyle, uh, you may have seen a young man in a suit crying on TV. And when I say that, I mean giving the actor's cry where we can clearly see it's fake, um, but he practiced it a lot. Yeah. Uh, that, that would be Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, and who said that I shot him once in the hip and then he kept coming at me, which a doctor described, if you shoot someone in the hip, they will collapse in whatever direction they're traveling. So what he said is, I was allowed to shoot him four more times, one in the back, because I shot him in the hip, and then he kept coming at me. And then there's video of him shooting a guy, circling around, and then checking on the guy he shot, and then running away. Um, just there's so much that's not going to come into this trial because the, the pre-trial motions got so much of it out, but... um. I'm just going to say this generally as a rule, if you have a proud boy testifying on your behalf at your trial, you're on the wrong side of history. I mean, here, here's what, here's what really flabbergasts me about this trial. Um, number one, I, I know that there is a, there seems to be a humongous differentiation between the way that people who are on Twitter a lot are experiencing this trial People who are like literally watching this all day long are are experiencing this trial. Yeah. Um, let's say uh, just out of fairness to the judge, who I don't know, <laughs> he's somewhere in between the two, right? Yeah, let's he's just, not because he doesn't know how to use a fucking phone. So clearly he's not on Twitter. Let's split the let's split the difference, right, between how awful Twitter thinks he is and how uh, how reasonable people who seem to be watching the trial all the time think he is. Okay. Um. Which is generally seemed to be the big, huge divide I've seen between the way people are reacting to him. Uh, there are a lot of things here uh, that I feel like are 
things I haven't, I, I don't see in a lot of trials. Usually you don't see somebody going up and defending themselves on the stand unless yes, it's like unimpeachable evidence that they would be able to, that only they would be able to speak to. If you are making a self-defense or, claim, you have to go up though. Oh, do you? Oh, okay. Yes. Well, no, I mean, you don't have to, but like, it's hard to make a self-defense claim, which involves your state of mind and you feeling threatened without testifying to those things. Otherwise it's very difficult to get that evidence in. So, yeah, I mean, uh, uh, very fair point. I was going to say, uh, I, I didn't even think about that because most, anytime you see somebody uh, on the stand themselves, usually it means uh, they're losing. Yes. <laughs> Yet. I and feel it's like a, a emotional plea to the jury. Yeah. It's like the hail Mary pass to like try and <laughs> try and save them. Um, which, and often, 99.9% of the time does not work in their favor at all. No, no. Because you never put never put your client on the stand. Never. Yeah. The 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 attorney, even if they're a hapless uh hapless suit, like uh Marilyn Mosby, for instance, uh, they would be able to come up with some line of questioning that would get them caught up in something and make them look <laughs> make them look ridiculous. So well, and you ask your questions first, but you can't control what comes out of the dude's mouth. And last next thing you know, he's opening the door to a whole bunch of stuff that you can jump into. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Because uh, also the other thing people don't realize is uh, they talk way too much. When yeah, <laughs> like you think you're uh, answering short questions, but really you're uh, giving them an opening. From to- experience, I can tell you. I've st- sat at a table and I've looked at my client and said, yes and no answers. If it requires more than yes and no, I will object. Then we'll be fine. Get up to the front. Ask the first question. Well, back in 1977, uh, that's really where this story starts. Let me, t- let me <laughs> leave this tale for you. And I'm like, I, I literally just fucking said yes and no. Yes and no. So what are we doing here? And then you get to sit there while they dig their own grave, um, yeah. which is fun. Sure. I mean, generally speaking, I feel like uh, the judge ain't great, uh, but also the, much like I was saying with the Ahmaud Arbery trial, uh, the district attorneys don't seem great either. I feel like... uh, Well, they're not used to handling a nationally televised murder trial, so... Oh, no, you know, I I understand. That's part of the reason why I'm saying, like, there's almost no no jurisdiction in this country that is capable of handling a trial of this level. And also, uh, fuck you, Kyle Rittenhouse, and the guys from the Arbery trial for making me cheer for prosecutors. Fuck you <laughs> in your ass. I, uh, I just, I, I, I imagine he's, uh, he's, he might get a couple of the the lower end weapons charges when this whole thing is done. Yeah. Uh, but he's going to be cleared of any responsibility regarding the shooting or uh, regarding the deaths. The good news is, though, uh, he will have a civil decision against him that will follow him for his entire life. Oh, God, life. I can't wait like for the civil 500 trial. Million. Yeah, the yeah. civil trial is going to be unlike anything you've ever seen before. Well, what? he admitted the shooting yeah. in his criminal trial. And it's like, yeah, you got off on self-defense, but there's going to be a really big civil trial. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I I just can't. <laughs> I, I don't understand uh, why the right hasn't just sort of dropped him. Like... I understand at the moment that uh, he was in the news, it was worthy of like he's one of us and we're we're sticking with him. He didn't do anything wrong, but yeah. at this point in the trial part of it, you know, like it, it seems like a lot of people are just like, uh, I'm gonna go out of my way to defend this person who will give me no benefit <laughs> whatsoever. You know, it's like, uh, it'd be like if I was like, hey, you know who I think would make a great mayor of New York, Anthony Weiner. 
just like out of nowhere eight years later like <laughs> like well there's no benefit in you doing that like why are you doing that i was trying to look it up uh, is it 14 it's 14 words not 18 words i was thinking uh oh, like that white supremacist did, thing yeah do you know what the 14 words are not specifically but it's something like uh i value white people in the white race above all others blah 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 white race something like that Close. I looked it up. Uh, I don't know it off the top of my head, but we must secure the existence of our people and a future for white children. So you ask yourself why? Because to racist, he is the poster child for a generation of white children. And we have to stand by him the way that we would stand by any of our children if they murdered three people in the street. It makes me... Rem- uh, uh, there was a story... Uh, I can't remember her name. I feel really terrible about this. Uh, but there was basically the... Uh... No, I'm blanking on the other person's name, too. Uh, Rosa Parks. There was basically oh, yes. somebody... Someone who came before. Someone yes. who was who came before under very similar circumstances. Yeah. Uh, but that person had a more checkered past, if you will. She was pregnant at 15 when she did it. Yep. And uh, yep. that was that was deemed not the fight. This is not yep. this is not the person who is going to to be in charge of this fight. And every so often we get court cases that come up along the way where huge lawyers will get involved because they see a path for this small case before the Supreme Court one day based off of some sort of situation and they're looking for the golden client, like the one yeah. who, who the Goldilocks client who fits everything they need. Uh and in the path of waiting for this to happen so many people fall. Uh, mm-hmm. Kyle Rittenhouse is not your Goldilocks, <laughs> like in this situation. I don't understand why. Like, let me tell uh, you why he is. He's a Goldilocks because so much of the right is fucking falling apart at the moment. But I mean, like, uh, he's also he is the canary in the coal mine, though, more than he is Goldilocks. So the deal is, the the likelihood of that intense racism appearing without sua sponte on its own is very low. So realistically, we are paring down the racists in the country just because uh, a racist dad has two kids. You don't end up with two racist kids. Sometimes you end up with me and my sister. <laughs> but, I don't chink. Uh, but more importantly, you're usually going to get maybe one, but not both. So if you are a racist, Corey, and you have one child, you want to make sure that that child, you know, believes as you believe, but you also want to make sure that they don't go to jail at 17 and end up in jail for the rest of their life. So if Kyle Rittenhouse gets accused, gets convicted of murder and he goes to, to jail for 77 years, that's functionally the rest of his life. The likelihood that you bring your kids out the next time is very low. So in order to protect the idealism of the movement, we have to defend this kid's actions so that the next generation doesn't stop coming out to our marches because if they do we're going to lose them to the libs and the socialists like joe biden same (laughs) socialist joe biden um (laughs) which i will never understand for the life of me me either uh but so for them it's not like they don't get the the rosa parks was taking down systematic systemic racism in the law but for these guys they're looking at kyle rittenhouse as the next push to re start that racist system systemic violence so they need him to be cleared so that every guy feels fine bringing his kids with their ar-15s out to the next uh rally because if not 
that dad will always be a dad before he is a member of the KKK. Um, and he'll think twice about it. I mean, I, I, I think, uh, I think be careful what you wish for, because, uh, we were talking not too long ago about the Supreme court, uh, discussing the Texas abortion law. Uh, and it was being brought up that, you know, Kavanaugh and others were a little bit worried that they might have opened up the door for states to be able to do this for issues that they don't agree upon. Yeah. So, you know, if you if Texas passes this abortion law and California passes one that is like a pro-choice alternative under the same sort of guise, mm-hmm. then uh, you've... Uh, effectively you've effectively created different laws depending on where you live and there's no federal oversight over any of it um which completely debones the federal court system um there is a there is a world i see in a post uh written house acquittal at least Mm -hmm. of the murder part of this of this whole thing uh or or is it? It's listed as homicide, right? Not just murder. Yeah, it's first degree homicide. Yeah, um, I didn't want to get that wrong. Uh, the, you know, as it as it is right now, if some sort of incident happened, some sort of Ferguson incident, uh, many people who come into whatever locality that it occurs in are going to be coming from outside of town. That's just yep. sort of a thing that has been happening more frequently uh, since about Ferguson. Uh, people will just show up from wherever they are that isn't St. Louis <laughs> and like just come in and invade this town. Uh, yep. And you're going to open yourself up for more people coming into your town based off of the auspices of wanting to be involved in the, the thick of it. And there's going to be people who bring guns. And there's going to be people who shoot people. And, you know, it might, it might be the next time it happens, it might be, you know, the, uh, the Michigan Wolverines outside of the state capital or something like that when they were protesting uh, COVID restrictions, yeah. you know, some, some Antifa group might show up and just start shooting away and claiming self-defense and getting off and blah, blah, blah. Uh, so I, I worry that part of the reason why I think that this whole thing is so fucking stupid is because it's not even like, you know, he happened to live in this town. <laughs> He's not from Kenosha. Like he didn't drove just across wake state up, lines. drove across state lines to care about businesses, which nobody. To be fair, uh, he didn't drive. His mother. Well, yeah, I mean, he was across escorted the across the across state lines by his mother, uh, who also in interviews gave very wishy-washy statements about whether or not she would have done that if she could do it over again, which is yeah another sign that so uh, wait, perhaps, one big perhaps red there's flag. nobody <laughs> nobody's learning anything. Your kid asked for a ride to Kenosha, Wisconsin, and you're like, mm, red flag, but okay, let's do it. He starts loading his AR-15. All right, there. Wait just a second. Hold on a second. You leave that gun we... here and pick one up from somebody who lives in Wisconsin <laughs> for legal reasons. Uh, but, I mean, I think we are very much bordering. It feels a lot like 1850. Um, Dred Scott decision was handed down in 1850. And what the historians have dug into is the court sitting there and saying, well, we can't do this because if we say he's free, it will essentially start a war. The, the South is going to just close the border to the non-slave states. So we need to declare that he's property and send him back to avoid a war, which worked for 12 years or 10 years. And then the war started anyway. And I feel like that is where we are, that, that this 
court and these attorneys are all sitting there and they have the same inkling. Like this is not about this case in this city. It is about a nation. And from my point of view, I'm just, you know, bring it on. Um, Cause everybody from the right, every Bubba I know from some racist ass village in the South is just like, well, yeah, we'll go have this civil war. Cause none of them lives know how to shoot guns. Motherfucker. You have no idea. You should be happy if he gets convicted and then nobody brings guns to a rally because the difference between you and the dude who the John Brown socialist club, who is bringing a gun is that dude can hit a playing card at 200 meters and you get drunk and shoot at beer bottles. Like this is, you are not the same. You don't want to go to war with this guy. Um, so I think that there's too much at stake. That's really the summary that like, hopefully they're thinking like, hopefully the jury goes in there and says, listen, the kid murdered these people. We have to convict him. If we don't, it could cause a whole fucking thing. It's going to be a big deal about this town and this kid. But if we don't, it will make war break out across the whole country. And it might. No. And, uh, you know, again, I, I always, uh, as often as I possibly can, when I'm thinking about uh, court cases and stuff like that, you I recite and, the 14 words. I know, yeah. I try and I try and remove as much information as I can from it, and try and break it down to its most like visceral part. Uh, yeah. So you know, like thinking about like the Capitol riot, for instance, right? Like uh, <laughs> the insurrectionists. Have I told the you on a coup d'état? If I uh, told you on a random Wednesday in September of 2014. Uh, I called you up and I said I was arrested and I need you to bail me out. And you said, what did you do? And I said any combination of I scaled the walls of the Capitol. I broke a window. I shit on Nancy Pelosi's desk. I stole a bunch of stuff from Congress. Uh, I went up on the dais in the Senate and I spouted that Jesus is Lord. And uh, I made uh, congressmen and senators fear for their lives. I threatened to hang the vice president. If I had said any of these things were the reason why I was arrested, you would be like, yeah, makes sense. You (laughs) you can't do that stuff. (laughs) I understand why you were arrested. Uh, You know, just because you were there with a bunch of other idiots doesn't make it any less illegal. And I think that at the end of the day, regardless of of what you think about uh, Kyle Rittenhouse personally, uh, if you break it down to minor went across state lines to defend property of a town in which he did not live and killed two people wounding the third yeah you would say well yeah i mean <laughs> that deserves jail time i don't know what i don't know how how much more cut and dry it can get now obviously like lawyers get involved judges get involved things might not go as smoothly as you think there's miscarriages of justice all the time everything happens like that but at the very least i know one thing for sure if it wasn't Kyle Rittenhouse, but, you know, Jamal Smith or something like that, who happened to go across state lines and shoot two people and wound oh, a yeah. third. Yeah. Uh, he would absolutely be <laughs> doing jail time. For... It would be a capital case. Wisconsin still has the death penalty. It'd be a capital case. Oh, I'm, uh, you know, very much would be. And I'm sure yeah. the entire trial will be spent talking about uh most specifically, why did he make the journey? Like, why did yeah. you feel the need to go across state lines to do this? Also, uh, you're giving it in a light most favorable to the defendant because I would argue his intent was never to defend property. It was to confront Antifa. Oh and yeah, have I, I, gun. I'm I'm saying you know I I'm, I'm merely using his his logic yeah. by which he is is using as his defense. Not that he, right. 
because I can't remember. I, I think it, I don't remember who said it. Somebody somebody did. So I'm stealing a joke. Uh, apologies in advance. But I thought it was so well pointed. Uh, I feel I need to share it, which is uh, what fucking company are you <laughs> are you going out of your way to defend if shit's going down? You know, like it's like I need to go to the Sonic in this town and defend them against the people. Like, why do you care that much about the fucking Sonic? Like, <laughs> there's no point. Like, when in your life have you ever felt the need to defend a business unless they were like, unless it was like Rob saying like they should have the McRib year long, you know, like that's like yeah, defending I, I a business to, decision, to but that's death. not, that's not to you, that's not you going across state lines and gunning down people, taking McRibs out of stock, you know, and, like, and you know what? I, I have a defense for that, which is when they only bring it for a few weeks every year. I ended up eating too many of them in a small time. And I'm 90% sure that's why I had stomach cramps for the last two days. <laughs> I had three McRibs in four days. Well, you're more McRib than man at this point. At this point, I am. And <laughs> we don't even know what the McRib is. Did but, you uh, Did you want to touch but, on Charlottesville real quick before yeah, we... So there's one other case, and that's that uh, I didn't even know about this. The, the There are defendants or there are plaintiffs suing a bunch of defendants from the Unite the Right rally um, in a civil trial that is taking place essentially in Charlottesville. And listen, I, Heather, uh, Heather Hare, is that her name? Heather uh, yeah, something. I think Heather so. Was, Heather Hare uh, was the victim who died. And there was, but what they didn't report is like 20 people were injured by that car. She was one of 20 people who were hit by the car. And so a bunch of them are suing. And the defendants named are like the Grand Knights of the Ku Klux Klan and, you know, the, the Knights of columbus kkk chapter or whatever like there are a lot of defendants but the per the people who are named are richard spencer chris cantwell uh the leader of the proud boy like a whole bunch of people who were on a discord or uh some sort of texting service and planning all this out and basically saying we want violence that's what we want and so uh they are obviously apt to be sued yeah that's, that's your problem violence. i mean yeah. um i mean <laughs> at the end of the day uh if you went to, you know, as much as you, as much as the images of the Unite the Right rally, uh, fucking terrify people, as they should, uh, you know, legally protected speech. And if you said, "Oh man, I can't wait to have a great rally where we all practice our First Amendment, <laughs> First Amendment uh, ability, and none of the other ones," then I'm sure you, there would be a different case going on right now. But you could have typed out, like, "Let's make up a chant." Uh, the Jews will not replace us. How's everybody feel about that? And we'll get some torches and run all of that protected. Yeah. All of that protected. It's sickening, but it is protected. Yeah. Um, but you can't say we are going to force them either get them to be violent against us or figure out a way to be violent against them and not, not get in trouble, which is also what they did. Uh, not just a car, but like isolate, uh, people of color and then beat them up and know that the police are not going to get involved. They're not going to step in. So we're going to be fine. But all that aside, I think everybody knows the outcome of this trial. Um, the funny thing, and there is funny things. Um, Chris Campbell, who is well known as the crying Nazi. He's a guy who was crying on a, in an interview once. And Richard Spencer, the man who made Pepe a household name, not because he promoted it, but because he was talking about it when someone walked up and punched him on live TV, yeah. which is one of the his gifts. I would just love to have that an NFT of that gift playing over <laughs> and over and over. But if you get an NFT and you put it on your wall, it's just fucking art, you idiots. Anyway, um, it's art they can't take away from you, though. It's got it's got providence for days. Sure. 
Uh, anyway, so these two are both the. Or if you're if you're uh, if you're a pinky up kind of guy, provenance. These guys are both defendants, but part of this is assigning a percentage of blame. So like, let's say the jury gives them $500 million all in. They will also have to say Chris Kantner, 10%, Richard Spencer, 10%, Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, 10%, and like assign it out. And then essentially everyone is responsible for all of it, but also responsible for um, their portion more specifically. The lawsuit that happens later amongst the defendants is the one where it's like, well, I only got 10%. So I should only be responsible for 10%, not the whole thing. Nonetheless, uh, these guys, these two idiots, uh, cross-examining each other because they uh, are both represented by themselves while the other guys have lawyers probably was the most entertaining thing I have ever heard of, at least in the last year. These two idiots getting on the stand and then basically playing like, all right, let's switch. Uh, now I'm going to be the lawyer. You're going to be the witness. <laughs> I cannot imagine. I could not have sat in that courtroom because I probably would have laughed and been thrown out. But <laughs> there is one other adage when it comes to lawyers and clients, Corey. And do you know which one I'm leaning towards? Yes, I, I know exactly which one. Mm-hmm. Speaking of fools. Yes. What is it? Oh, God. Uh, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I, I, uh, if you have a uh, if you have a client represent themselves, then they have a fool for a client or Oh no! I a man who is his own attorney has a fool for a client. Yeah, and um, this I'm sure this exchange. There's another version be. of it too, where it's just like, I don't know. I've heard I've heard several versions of that, but yes, you're in a lawyer's house. I am the first <laughs> lawyer in the gen- generation, so it's for me. It's I have only heard one time, um, but yeah, it, I can only imagine how entertaining it was and a bright spot while racists turn on each other and say, now these guys who would have. In, in the weeks after, been like, no, 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 bitch. This is all my plan. I planned this out. I made this happen. I'm now the great, being like, yeah, I'm the great yeah. Nazi pumpkin. I did it all. <laughs> <laughs> now being like, well, I mean, really, uh, yes, these guys came over to my house. I had a party with just these six specific people where we did talk about the Unite the Right rally. But to be honest, I was being a host. I was filling chips. I was, you know, freshening up the dip and drinks. And I don't really know what they were talking about. Like, all right, bitch. All right. Yeah, You're I might on, have on Facebook talking about how this was my plan. But okay. I mean, I might have had conversations generally about people replacing us, but I don't know if I said Jews that many times. I, I said certainly other things. Maybe they only caught the Jews part on camera. I don't know. Like, there's a lot of people to blame. Uh, I don't just say Jews. People were I mean, saying you know, thing. I mean, you know. Italians aren't really white. We all know that. The Swedes won't Irish. replace us. I said that, I'm sure, at some point. <laughs> Mexicans. We have a huge problem with Mexicans, too. Yeah, I mean, he is half. he's half Mexican, but we only like the white part of him. Anyway, um, yeah, so uh, if anybody wants a bright spot in a otherwise da- dark world, uh, look for the transcripts of the Unite the Right trial, because I'm sure it will be entertaining, if nothing else. You know, also, you know, what I, you know what I would have really enjoyed, too, if the if one of them would have taken the other the the opportunity, because like they're basically like uh, 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 competitors at a point. They're like competitors and yeah, in, in the, in the racism game. So it'd be great if like Richard Spence took the opportunity while while the crying Nazi is on the stand to put a whole bunch of things on the record under penalty of perjury. Just uh, like, uh, didn't you say that uh, Beyonce is the hottest woman you've ever seen in your entire life at one point? 
Come on, man. Fuck. Don't fucking do this to me. Listen, man. <laughs> Listen, uh, and you're under oath. I want to remind you that you're under oath at the moment. I'm just, I'm not saying you feel that now, but I'm saying at some point, brother. You did feel that. You did yes. say something like that to me, did you not? Oh, why is this going to be on the fucking record? <laughs> that's not what they're talking about, but I imagine there was some of that. Some of the, like, <laughs> race baiting, but, like, in the way that people, white guys race bait white, other white guys, not anywhere all, else. All I'm saying is if there was ever a situation where I was basically the lawyer going up against Rob, who is swear, sworn under oath, I would be asking him all kinds of things that are completely irrelevant to the trial. Yeah. And then you I would remember and then I would beg I, I would beg, I would beg the judge. I'd be like, "No, no, no, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going somewhere with this. It, it seems convoluted, but I, I swear I'm going somewhere with this." Yeah. I'm going to give you leniency because you're not used to doing this. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you, Your Honor. Honor. Thank you. No, I'm I'm I really am trying to find my way back to back to the case at hand, but first I have a couple questions I'd like to ask. So, uh when we were in college together, <laughs> So uh, the reason that a lot of that hasn't been brought up, and I shit you not, this is a real fact. One of the issues that came up in the weeks after the Unite the Right trial is that a man who was technically his own father-in-law slept with his daughter-in-law. Oh, what? So hold on. Oh, wait, wait. I don't think I phrased that right. There is a guy yeah. who was married to the mother of another defendant. Now they're okay. the same age. This is like one of those like, uh, you know, we used to be buds. Why can't we hang out? I'm not trying to be your dad. Like, Steve, we were best friends in high school. You're fucking my mom. You know, like uh, that kind of situation. Okay. But then he cheated on the guy's mom by sleeping with the guy's wife. So he slept with his own daughter-in-law and on one of his best friends, like cheated, had made the wife of one of his best friends cheat. Okay. So that is a real fact that is in uh, in this case, and that's why I think you're not seeing more of the like sensational stuff because eventually it devolves into like, so what you're saying is you fucked your daughter. No, 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 no. I mean, she was married to my best friend, and I was in fact married to his mother, but that is not make her my daughter. Although, what that, that what that sounds to me like is a diver divorce attorney getting involved, going like, hey, you're you're questioning him the next week, yeah. right? Because uh, they uh. I had some things about uh, a couple questions you might want to ask while you're up there <laughs> hmm. since you're getting this opportunity to get him under oath and all. Also, I mean, you were talking about the competition. The reason mm -hmm. that isn't important is because he went on Facebook live to say, tell everyone that he had cucked <laughs> his friend who was his son-in-law. Of course. Um, And I, all I can think of is a Dave Chappelle skit where he just like opens up the fake magazine. And it's like white people shit on the outside. <laughs> and it's been like, yep. Makes sense. Makes sense. White people shit. <laughs> anyway, uh, so we have a whole that was that's uh, court battles. We've taken up most of our time with, but there are a few other topics to circle back on the last few weeks. I wanted to touch on number one and most important. Ayatsi had a vote this weekend. Corey, future mm. member of Ayatsi. Yeah. What are your thoughts about the uh, the agreement and the vote? Uh, I think that uh, a lot of people believe the people who are negotiating on behalf of IATSE, that this is the the offer that they could get, the best offer on the table, and went with that uh To be clear, just so everybody vote. knows, they approved. They approved the agreement that we talked shit about a few weeks ago. <laughs> Narrowly. Yeah. Uh, and actually, this is a real, uh, a real parallel to federal politics, too, because, like, the IATSE... Uh, guilds use uh, uh, electoral college system 
So the actual up and down vote apparently was no, <laughs> but the but the uh, the actual uh, you know like the electoral college results equaled into a yes, but a very narrow yes. Um, so, so like every chapter takes a vote, and there are chapters like the L.A. local or the yeah. L.A. chapter of the local, which has. 70,000 members and they get a proportional amount of votes as the Vermont chapter, which has seven members. And well, no. So it is, it is based. I mean, much like the electoral college, you know, like uh, it's very close. I, that's an exaggeration. The, it the, is the populations of the different chapters inf- influence how many uh, uh, representatives they have, how many electors yes. they have. Yes. Uh, so one little chapter with four people won't impact a whole lot. But uh, it is a lot. Several chapters with four people. Oh yeah, I mean, like that's that's basically the L.A. did not like all the L.A. unions didn't uh, vote yes for certificate recertification. Um, Again, popular vote wise, but uh, it it's very interesting because I think uh, I think this is actually probably the best bullet in the gun that uh, these unions have at the moment which is uh, there was a strike authorization, which was already a huge step in that direction. Uh, There was the uh, sort of what seemed like universal dislike of the deal when it first came out, the terms of the deal when it first came out, and then a very narrow victory for the terms when it was actually voted on by the full union guild or by the full union. Um, so, I mean, I think this basically sets up three years to, like, people have been talking about this offseason with Major League Baseball is going to be a very contentious uh, yeah. labor discuss- discussion because yeah. for the last three years, it has been ratcheting up, you know? And with IATSE having never struck before, I think there was a little feeling amongst the studios like, uh, oh, we can just sort of string them along. We can give them a little bit more. And yeah. they'll they'll agree to this and they'll never strike and everything like that. But I think there's been enough steps put in front of the studios that they'll know that three years from now, it will not be smooth sailing. You know, like it will be we're, we're coming back for for more the next time around. So you better get your house in order for what will eventually come, you know, because the, the negotiations will become a lot more uh, probably tied to the idea of getting a strike because i think the the union <laughs> will want to strike wants to strike yeah, yeah. yeah. especially I mean, if they, it, you know if if just independently of the agreement that has been struck because like really what we're what, what we're talking about here is ter- in terms of compensation is minimums yep uh this is yep. the minimum you can pay a camera person or a dit or a loader <laughs> you know like there's a bunch of jobs and then you're negotiating what the minimum you could pay them is uh if you are Roger Deakins, you are not working for the minimum. You are working for no. millions of dollars, way more than any other cinematographer uh, around. So, you know, if studios just decided, like, without without having to pay the minimum, that they were just going to pay a bunch of people better than the minimum all the time, then maybe they could curry favor to people to think that they will... Uh, they don't have to be as hard on them. Like, it, it sort of gives... Uh, from a negotiating position, I feel like it gives the studios an opportunity to sort of self-correct. And if they don't, if they continue to lean bottom line like they have been recently, 
then it'll set up for a better stick for negotiators three years from now. So that's basically my top line. And I think that you and IATSE and everyone involved here are making the same mistake that Karl Marx has been pointing out since 1848. And that's you have put your faith that the capitalists will do anything that doesn't improve their bottom line and they will not. No, I I, they should have struck this time and sent a message instead. I think it actually takes the wind out of the sails next time. In, in, I, 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 uh, it's tough because I, I think if I was given three the three years to prepare for the strike now, if There's I was three years for them to get ready for the strike. Well, I mean, the problem is that they're, they, this is a, this is a industry that is going to be tough to sort of, uh, relocate to an extent. Uh, you can get good crews and good people to go to Georgia and Louisiana, New Mexico and stuff like that. Uh, you can go the, get them to go foreign and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, uh, the union still sort of like holds the sway as like the, the basis by which other people are, by which all jobs are based off of, you know, like, so. It's completely a coincidence that um, MGM Belize and MGM Cambodia are both going to open up this year and they're going to have significant investments in those studios, those remote studios where they by chance don't have to pay anyone anything. So I, I again, you know, we talked earlier about like, you know, <laughs> they don't want to have to try and explain what your movie is. It's so much easier to spend a hundred million dollars and say there's a new fast and the furious coming out. Yeah. Uh, there will be a point, uh, I, you know, to a, to a random person on the street. Uh, if you told them like what somebody in, in Hollywood union makes, like what a cinematographer makes, all that sort of stuff. They would be like, "That's an outrageous sum of money. That's yeah. <laughs> that's incredible." Uh, number one, you don't work all the time. That's that's number one. You like you're not you're not working five days a week, like you do if you're you know a bank teller or something like that. So also, it, Jim Bob, um, that movie's gonna make a billion dollars, and the widget you just made sells for a nickel. So yeah, I mean, there there's a lot of there's a lot of top line economics that go here but i mean basically saying uh they are you know crews are underpaid uh yeah (laughs) they they all could be paid better and there's only so there's you know there's only so much going to some new state that just decided to open up a tax benefit that will actually end up being a benefit to you because you know you don't want to hire a look at rust you don't (laughs) you don't want to hire people who don't know what the fuck they're doing because it's gonna say, only like, going to cost you more that. money in the end. Maryland did that and got one show. One show. So they got a couple. They they they've done all right for themselves. It, but it's not. It they didn't. You know, like sort of what had happened with like Georgia and stuff like that specifically, is there were a bunch of people who were. Uh, Atlanta is kind of like this really big, media town yeah. in a way. <laughs> so there was like already a, uh, the the pump was primed a little bit for there to be a infrastructure uh, investment that would allow for crews to work there for cheaper than you would get in LA. But then you do have to bring people to Georgia. Like there's a certain, like you can't get everyone from Georgia. You have to bring in your stars who cost the most money of all, you know, you Tom Cruise coming to Atlanta doesn't, he doesn't cost less because he's in Atlanta. He still costs the same amount if he was in LA or if he was in Atlanta and in fact, he costs more in Atlanta because you have to fly him to Atlanta and put him up in Atlanta. And you can't just put him in a Holiday Inn. You gotta, you gotta like, 
you know, go all out for him and stuff like that. And there's per diem, there's a whole bunch of other things that I would, I would say to Jim Bob though. Also union membership is at its lowest in like 50 or 60 years. Yeah. And maybe you would make a little more on the widget line if you unionized and then struck and or negotiation negotiated as one party rather than and, the fact that everybody negotiates separately. So, and listen, uh, I am of the mind that a union anywhere doing something, uh, beneficial is good for a union everywhere, you know, like, can we, can uh, we clip that? I want to compare that to Corey 2014 and what he thought. About <laughs> <you>. <laughs> uh, well, I guess, uh, I guess we should say that, uh, uh, I did say things about Detroit at one point, but that's a coma is completely different subject. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I, I think that, I think that a benefit, uh, you know, a win for IATSE is going to be a win for, other unions that come along that don't seem like they're in, in directly coordinated with uh, the film I, uh, industry, the, you know, like even so even more writers guild, directors guild, producers guild, you guys like you're going to be up in three years too. And now it's everybody. Well, they're up. It's a better deal. They're up on different timelines too. So, I know, so wait, so it's the writers and producers and directors are the year before IATSE's negotiation. I'm pretty sure. Cause Something we were like talking that. about a yeah, writer's yeah, strike yeah. last year. Yeah. So, it's just like, hey, uh, how about this? Uh, we're going to strike, and then IATSE will support our strike, and then if you make a deal with us, we'll support the IATSE strike. So, well, yeah. and I, I mean, like, you know, I, I think there's going to be things that happen with an eventual uh, WGA or DGA uh, contract renewal, which might just end up giving us the things that we sort of could have pushed for here. True. Yeah. Because uh, the writers and the directors are not too fond about getting paid less for shooting something for Apple as opposed to universal yeah. just because Apple gets better rates from their union, you know, like you also, know, there, there's going can... to be, there's going to be a, you know, and writers are not pleased that, you know, they sort of get paid a bigger lump sum up front to do something for Netflix because they'll never get residuals after that. Yeah. You know, like I, I think well, I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking forward to it. Cause uh, maybe if we can get all these unions to strike, uh, we can finally get to the next stage of evolution, which is you can only have a movie studio or TV studio if you also have another product. So, you know, Amazon, Apple, Walmart will open up a movie studio. It'll be great. It'll be a great time. Nothing, nothing terrible at all will happen from that. Yeah. Uh, some good news. Let's, some. Well, yeah, I was gonna say let's let's lightning round yeah, the yeah, last yeah. couple. But uh, go ahead. Some good news. Uh, infrastructure week finally proves some beneficial result. We have an infrastructure bill. I can't even believe Kinda. it. Kind of. Well, I mean, Biden signed it today, so I think we're, I think we're all good on that part. the The build back better part is still, uh, up in the air. Yeah. Uh, and Marjorie Taylor Greene can call twelve Republicans traitors while praising AOC. <laughs> I, I do. What the fuck world do we live in? Where Marjorie Taylor Greene is like, I wish these Republicans had, were as forthright as AOC and said no to. Them. I'm like. <laughs> number one she said it didn't go far enough right like that's <laughs> number one aoc if it came down to whether or not she voted for this thing would absolutely vote for it yeah don't uh, don't the reason why she didn't was because she was an expendable vote they knew they had republicans coming over and by the way for the marjorie taylor greens of the world and the people the republicans i know who they have been complaining about Facebook. this yeah. Uh, of all the things in the world uh, or in the U S that, uh, that 
have nearly unanimous approval. It's fixing roads, uh, roads and bridges, uh, <laughs> anything that involves basic infrastructure. <laughs> that's like the most yeah. popular. It gets ninety percent support, like yeah. almost regardless of how much it costs too. And that's you know, like listen, I I understand that there's a big price tag involved with it, and people are gonna look at that and say like, holy shit, that costs a lot of money. You know, it's over the course of you know, 15, 20 years too, which is, which is another point that people seem to forget. Nobody says that when it's time to go to war, everybody's like, how much do you need? (laughs) Write the fucking check. It's just, it's just like when a football player, you know, like Patrick Mahomes just signed a contract for $430 million and you're just like, holy shit. And you're like, also it's over 15 years. So, (laughs) I mean, yeah, still a lot of money, but you know, $30 million a year doesn't sound as impressive as 430 million. (laughs) Like, yeah. Uh, and also, not a, you know, that number isn't necessarily guaranteed either. So, like, they're shouting out this big number that doesn't necessarily oh. mean he's going to get every dollar of that, you know? And and same with infrastructure. That yeah. This is the max that they are allowed to spend, not right. what they will spend. And again, when it comes to war, it's just like, you need more money? Okay, great. It's a grandma fucking at Christmas time. Uh, when it comes to infrastructure, it's going to be, you know... Uh, well, I would say Corey finding out he's going to have a kid, but he kind of splurged a lot instead of that. <laughs> you know, just what a normal person would do when they're having a kid. Like, I need to stop going out to eat sushi. Are you crazy? I'm not going to do that. <laughs> no, I got a kid coming. Anyway, um, so we'll see. Uh, I think that the good news is that uh, it gives them something to run on, especially if they can get the money starting to go out to communities. Uh, and then we'll see signs that are like, it'll say Build Back Better, even though it's not Build Back Better, but it's yeah. brought to you by Build Back Better. And, brought to you um, by Joe Biden. Yeah. With a picture of him and some aviators and finger guns and yeah yeah oh by the way everybody should watch uh snl where they did the uh, flashback <laughs> joe biden yeah like, biden from christmas future past or whatever yeah. yeah um but uh something else that happened this week uh some infrastructure was needed at the Astro World tour where yeah. travis scott did the robot while people died <laughs> I, uh, and that, you would think that that's a huge mistake, but it wasn't the biggest mistake Travis Scott made when it came to this incident. I, Corey, you have an opinion about that. Well, yes. First of all, l- let me just say this about Travis Scott. Uh, we all hate Ticketmaster and Live yeah. Nation and all these all these companies that are in charge of making live events and stuff like that. We hate them all. There's no <laughs> nobody says nobody says my favorite company is Ticketmaster. Yeah. Uh, but uh, what they do do is they make events that don't get people killed for the most part. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And they have a remarkably successful record of not getting sued for things that have gone wrong yep. at their events. And most of the reason why they do it, admittedly so, is they spend a lot of money on the show. I mean, you know, you're spending 200 something dollars to see Taylor Swift or Adele. You'd think they'd be able to put a good amount of that towards security and safety and, and making sure everything goes goes right. So, uh, By the way, uh, Adele was at Griffith Observatory, brought to you by Live Nation. Yeah. No deaths. Zero deaths. <laughs> no, nobody got trampled at the Adele concert. You're crazy. Funny, uh, funny thing about that. Uh, but again, not the biggest mistake he's made during this entire incident. No. The, the biggest mistake is uh, he said, I need somebody to go out and speak on my behalf. I, I need to find a spokesman. And then they said, uh, well, there's a whole bunch of uh, PR people who are making themselves available to me. Uh, and then Travis Scott, I assume, I, 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 I'm just trying to put myself in his mind right now, a dangerous place to be, but I assume he said this one, and he just picked a random one off the list, mm-hmm. completely ruining 
the lawyer who gave him the list, completely ruining their Hornburger method. I was going to say, they definitely there's, went with the Hornburger method. There's right? no way. You, <laughs> you fucked with the Hornburger method and you got the wrong pick. Uh, because speaking on behalf, publicly speaking on behalf of Travis Scott is former Baltimore mayor Stephanie Rawlings-Blake. And I, I, the only reason I can think that she was just picked randomly off a sheet of people is because if you all you have to do is YouTube like one Stephanie Rawlings-Blake speech and you will see she's not capable of this job. She's not she's not good at it. And not only is she not good at it, but she's legally dangerous to <laughs> to your bottom line if she's speaking and on your behalf. Because everything famously, she said was so actionable the last time she was allowed to speak on behalf of an organization. Like famously, this podcast called for her to do your job or quit. Yeah. And she quit instead of doing her job. Yeah. I mean, she collected a paycheck until it ended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She didn't yeah, quit I immediately. Mean, Oh, that would have been going out in public. I mean, I'd have so much more respect for her. If, like if I, fucking a week and a half after Freddie Gray, she was just like, listen, I'm fucking up. I'm sorry. I can't do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever, Let's Jack Young there. <laughs> Jack Young will take over for me because I have no idea what I'm doing. Jack Young's over in the corner like, why do I know? <laughs> why do I know what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes. Uh, also, uh, I, I just. Uh. From the from the dirty tricks department, uh, mm-hmm. which is where I'm sure a lot of this legal stuff has come from regarding Travis Scott. Uh, if he offers to pay for your loved one's funeral or no. refund you money for your ticket. Definitely say no. Or give you any kind of offer uh, in exchange for forgiveness. Free tickets to another concert? Yeah. Say no. <laughs> say, say no. No, I would not like to. Because the the class action lawsuit that will be coming uh, as a result of this thing is uh, it could be record setting, it, like it could be short of like a just short of like a Purdue Pharma level. <laughs> like it probably won't though, because at least at the first time that it was reported, half of the people took a refund. Yeah. Which by taking the refund, they have essentially waived their rights to join the class. That is that's yeah, the exchange. That's, that's how that's how you get the refund. So rather than getting, you know, $20,000 a person, you've given yourself the $200 back that you spent on the ticket or whatever it was. Not uh, mine is expenses. You were at a fucking Astro World spending money all day. Yeah. Uh, None of that comes back. Well, I mean, they're not going to pay for your beer. What do you <laughs> what do you expect? Uh I I I'm just uh I'm completely mind blown by that whole thing. Uh mostly because I have been to fucking metal shows where or punk shows yeah. where there is a mosh pit that is violence, that is literal yep. violence amongst yep. other people who are in that group. Intentional violence. Intentional violence being inflicted upon other people who are sharing a space with you. And if you go down, everyone stops. Yep. Everyone gets you up. Everyone Everyone make sure you're okay. Including the artist on the stage who's like, whoa, 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 whoa. If it gets to the point where somebody has been on the ground for too long, the artist will stop the show. I've seen artists stop the show and say, hey, that person's not having a good time right now. Let's stop it. Like, you know, maybe the band still plays a little bit and the lead singer just like breaks away from the song real quick. Like he's not having a good time. Get him security, please. Help him. Everyone clear out. 
you have high, high hopes for a limit. <laughs> yeah. Literally, it's like, like they're playing the same four chords over and over. And yeah, yeah. For him to setting, like, setting up right. for the moment. Yes. Um, you know, uh, this is not this is not difficult. You the the you have a responsibility for the safety of people, and if you do not have the ability to like, he has to stop. Like that's the and there's no way he didn't know. I'm sure sure he's going to make a legal argument when his. Yeah, uh, what am I supposed to know? <laughs> I mean, if he's hiring Stephanie Rawlings Blake as his public spokesperson, who's his who's his attorney? I mean, Lionel Hutz or Rudy Giuliani. Rudy, <laughs> he's looking for a new gig. Listen, we got the we got four seasons total landscaping lined up for the press conference. It'll be great. <laughs> well, um, I, I've cut down the list because Corey yeah. doesn't know what a lightning round is. Uh, so on our last topic, uh, which we would be remiss without mentioning. Uh, everyone fo- finally followed Chris. Uh, not Cantwell. I always want to say Chris Cantwell, but it's a different person. Chris. Uh, the leave anyway. Brittany alone person. They're leaving Brittany alone. Finally, yes. Uh, so to those of you who I don't know live under a rock. Um, Britney Spears was under conservatorship, and earlier this year, her father stepped back from the conservatorship, and then just last Friday, the judge ended the conservatorship, giving her back full rights as a, a human being and an American. Yeah which is great. And I think we're all excited about it. But the one reason I wanted to bring this up is to say, even under her conservatorship, and Corey warned me against saying this, which means I'm 100% going to say it now. <laughs> um, even under the conservatorship, Britney Spears was not a slave. She was not living in a, a, a life that was my point is there are a lot of people dancing in the street talking about we fi- we finally freed Britney, which y'all didn't do shit. But also, um, she is more free than you are. And even when she was in a conservatorship, she is more free than you because you are risking your ability to sleep inside and to eat regularly and have health care by skipping work to go to the parade that impromptu popped up in WeHo. Like, I know a lot of people don't work in L.A. <clears throat> Exhibit A right here on the uh, podcast with me. Um, <laughs> but. For those of you who do, um, you, yeah, she, she, what, didn't have control of her life. She had somebody watching her text messages. The, all that sucks. But also, she lived in a twenty million dollar mansion and had a like multi million dollar uh, every month available money that she could like key into and buy a car. And in the reality, uh, she was free, more free under that conservatorship than you are today. Uh, so we can all. I, I don't understand the billionaire fucking that is happening. And I know she's not a billionaire, but the billionaire fucking that is happening all across the country. Like these people are super rich and you are so invested in every little move they make without realizing that you are the commodity that they are trading on. Britney Spears, nobody gives a fuck unless you're buying tickets to her show. You're buying the merchandise. And we're all excited because you're a fan and she's free now, but also you're not free and you will not be free. And you will go back to your life tomorrow, hopefully still having a job and having a house and having food to eat. But that was not a concern for her yesterday. And it's not a concern for her today. The only difference is she doesn't have somebody watching her text. And I would argue based on some of my text conversations recently, it would be better if I had somebody who could approve my text because I say some really shitty things and it would probably be, I mean, Corey would appreciate if somebody was editing my Facebook messenger messages before I sent them. Uh, it would make everybody. I would like appreciate that. if somebody was censoring your 
conversation on the podcast from time to time. Like now, I mean, like, listen, wouldn't <laughs> like, it be nice if there was a sensor who would just step in and like cut the mic and make I, me stop talking? Listen, I I think that uh, yes, she has money, which is uh, something that a lot of people in a conservatorship don't have. Yeah. Uh, so therefore, her life is better because she has access to capital and able ability to do things. Uh, but I also I, I I take this from the the point that uh, she was a young. I mean, she was a teenager when she first walking became, barefoot through a gas station when she became famous first. Yeah, yeah, and then a media infrastructure, which is not suitable for somebody's mental health, uh, put her through the ringer harder than almost anybody who's ever been in the media spotlight before. Uh, and, you know, a lot of that was based off of the fact that she was tr- make her own decisions and they were not, they were not good. Uh, and therefore it sort of put her in that situation. But at the same time, there's, I, 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 I there's sort of a chicken and egg thing going on here where she might not be making bad decisions if she wasn't constantly being followed by paparazzi every single moment of her life. Uh, and I, I, I feel, you know, like, I, I think that if you were in that situation, you wouldn't feel the same way. If you felt like, you know, oh, I'm, I'm in this conservatorship now because of how people talk about me in public, even though they don't know me, and they say things that may or may not be true to sell papers based off of photos that they got shot from three buildings away with a Zoom lens, you know, like, I think you would, I, I think you'd have a different, nobody, you know, yes, uh, Brittany has a better life than either one of us do because, you know, she has millions of dollars in the bank and she can she can, you know, buy a house or a Ferrari if she wants, like whatever the money brings that would bring her happiness. She can do those things and we can't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, neither one of us has to go through the fucking constant torture of being a person who's constantly under the media scrutiny. Like you know, like could could you we imagine? We definitely have the same mother. Just so that's clear. I'm we just saying. Can you uh, can you imagine you 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 leave for work in the morning, and you're walking to try and find a scooter, and you have a dozen people following you with cameras and microphones, asking you about all the shit that you've been doing here recently. And you I finally get it. your scooter. Welcome. And it. then you're scooting along, and then there's cars that are driving dangerously around you to try and get footage of you on the scooter. Yep. Going to work, like. There are things here that that normal people don't deal with, and these things were not only just the the cause of her trouble, but also the uh, the cause of her inability to get out of the conservatorship that she was put in. And I'm just I I just it's not that I think like oh thank God Britney's free, you know she deserves this and everything like that. It's just that like as a human being I feel like, I feel like. You know she's gotten she's gotten fucking rung rung up like nobody else had ever been before, and I feel bad so that she's in this that is situation. The last, this is the last thing I'll say about it. All of you, everyone who was cheering for Britney Spears to be freed, and now she is free. Let me find out any of you when your parents get older and decide they're not going to spend money on you anymore and take you off their phone plan, Corey Baker. <laughs> uh, when let me find out you stick your parents in some sort of conservatorship. You know, and then start spending the money that they worked hard for, but they didn't want to give you. So you stuck them in some sort of legal uh, arrangement where you can do it. Let me find out. 
because the one thing I can say about me, I am a horrible person. I'm a recovering uh, emotional terrorist. <laughs> I, I dream of torture and murder for many of the people in society today. In fact, just entire swaths of a generation. Yes, but I am not a motherfucking hypocrite. And I am saying this now, and I will say it then. My parents start getting a little out there. But I'm gonna make sure you live the same life you had. I will take care of everything. Also, you know, everything about the way. But don't throw your parents into conservatorship after screaming for 10 years about how unfair it is that Britney's in a conservatorship. Let them waste their money because they earned it on whatever the fuck they want. And then let it go. See, but that that's part of the, the that's part of the problem. You know, there is, you know, a legitimate situation where a conservatorship makes sense, you know? Right. And I'm not saying that like because the I circumstances say, have to be the same though. They people said she's spending her money. She uh you know, she is not gonna have it to retire on, she's not gonna have it to live on for life. We need to make sure that somebody's taking care of her. They're making sure that you know she's getting up every day and showering and going to work. And everyone screamed about how this was fucking horrible. So I don't want to hear those people asking for a conservatorship for their parents to do the same thing. Yeah. Let people live. I mean, sure. Like I wouldn't want to do that to somebody, but I, I wouldn't I also the situation which I would say that you you know, like somebody needs that like, you know, is there is there something in Rob's past that deserves jail? Yes. Probably. We've all 100%. violated hundred <laughs> percent. We've all violated the law at some point or another. Uh do I think Never Rob deserves charged with though? Do I think Rob deserves to be in jail? No. Is there possibly something that he could do where I feel like jail would be the thing that he deserves? Yes. there I, He could reach the limit where I feel like he deserves jail time for something. But that doesn't make me a hypocrite if I'm saying that he doesn't deserve it most of the time, but there's certainly a situation where he would. You know, like I think that, you know, a conservatorship, number one, should be exceedingly rare. Sure. Uh, but I'm saying there are certain situations where you know, like uh, somebody who has uh, who, who has some sort of mental incapacitation that doesn't allow for them to actually live like run their life. I know people who have this type of thing. You know, they have a trust that was left over from a rich parent or something like that. They they have money in which to survive, but they need somebody who is basically in charge to make decisions for them because left to their own devices, they would spend all the money on something that they don't need almost immediately. They'd go to Fair Vegas enough. and bet it all on black. And so there needs this to be, is there someone needs to who be isn't some you, sort right? of legal. Clear? Yes, the, of course there needs to be some sort of legal recourse for somebody who is not in that, you know, who is in that, the, those very specific situations and a couple other like it. But you know, I, I, I don't think Brittany <laughs> clearly Brittany and, wasn't deserving of this. She was and not, that, that, that's, what I'm going for though is that if you don't be spouting the reasons that your parent needs to be in a conservatorship, which were the exact reasons that Brittany was in a conservatorship. Yeah. That's that's the point. Yeah. Like don't be a hypocrite about it. Don't be putting conservatorships on parents because you want access to their money and you think that they're wasting it. That's that's the reason Brittany was in one. So just don't argue that. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, and somebody let all the Britney podcasts know that we talked about this conversation. <laughs> so so, so they can I get can angry. eventually have people following me outside of my apartment and asking me what who I'm wearing today. <laughs> oh, today? Stafford. Just like every motherfucking day, bitch. 
Uh, black t-shirt, black uh, black shirt. Is that the same black shirt from yesterday? <laughs> same brand, not the same shirt. Although you wouldn't be able to tell, would you? I own multiples. Uh, well, you know where you can find a whole bunch of things that would anger Britney Spears podcasts. Where's that? Oh, the anthem.com court. Oh, the anthem.com. Oh, the anthem, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and the listener line 443-219-7595. What's that number again? 443-219-7595. Uh, website is still a work in progress. Uh, baby took up a lot of time, believe it or not. Uh, uh-huh. but uh, at least you to- have that excuse now. At least you have the excuse. <laughs> Um, but in the meantime, you can find me on social, uh, facebook.com forward slash Corey Baker film at legends five on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Uh, yeah. And, uh, tune in for baby related content because, uh, that's most of the pictures I'm taking nowadays. Are you sure you don't want to, do you want to give out your cash app or your paypal.me or anything? People want to hit you up. I mean, I, Venmo. I don't have, I don't know, what, <laughs> I don't know how that would be possible. <laughs> I can just give that out and people give me money. Yes, yes, oh, but uh, you don't have them, so no, because uh, Corey doesn't believe in those things. I thought I had to take off clothes or something like that for that to happen. Oh, as I keep telling girls all around <laughs> me, you don't even have to get naked to make money on OnlyFans. Anyway, you can find me at Robert and Cheek and Artist Social Networks, uh, robertandcheek.com for uh, links to everything I'm working on. And, uh, of course, the thing I'm doing most is streaming at twitch.tv forward slash Robert and Cheek, or you can come and play along with me. I'm playing Vanguard literally every day, streaming every day. Uh, Anku, A-N-K-O-U-K-E-R-Y-S, Anku Kuryas, and uh, we'll play along. It'll be great. So if you have Vanguard, hit me up. Otherwise, uh, we can go back and play some of the other Call of Duty stuff or Splitgate. I stream all of it, so come join me. Well, I think we've done good here today. Do you? Do you? (laughs) Something tells me this episode will not be played as frequently to Casey as the last. (laughs) Up until the end, I I thought it was pretty good. Pretty, pretty. Uh, we've done something. I don't know if it's good. But as always, you're listening to the Oh, the Anthem podcast, part of the Oh, the Anthem digital network. For Corey, this is Rob. Have a great week, everybody. So this uh, the sending me money thing, it's just just because or? Yeah, yeah. Make an Amazon wish list and then um, the feet pictures go up and it all comes rolling in. Nobody wants my Fred Flintstone feet. That, I mean, listen, uh, there are weird dudes out there in the world. <laughs> I can't say for sure. All right, I'm going to.